As has been noted already, today is All Saints Sunday. All Saints Day is intended to remember Christian people of all times and places who have shaped us, the community of faith. We are a part of the body of Christ throughout all time and space. I would invite you to go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11. It'll be a few moments before we get to the reading of Scripture. A saint, according to scripture, is a child of God who is redeemed by grace and living by faith. Here is an excerpt of how theologian and author Frederick Beekner defines saint. Many people think of saints as plaster saints or moral exemplars. Men and women of such paralyzing virtue that they never thought a nasty thought or did an evil deed their whole lives long. As far as I know, real saints never even come close to characterizing themselves that way. In other words, the feet of saints are as much of clay as everybody else's, and their sainthood consists less of what they have done than of what God has for some reason chosen to do through them. The Holy Spirit has been called the Lord, the giver of life. And drawing their power from that source, saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. Today is an opportunity to remember those heroes of faith, those life givers who have gone before us. One of my most favorite movies this past summer, many of you know I like movies, was the Pixar Studios animated film Inside Out. The film takes us inside the head of an 11-year-old girl, Riley. We get a glimpse of headquarters, the control center in Riley's mind, and the five emotions that help to advise her during everyday life. The major characters of the movie are emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. Chief among the emotions is joy, who dominates Riley's childhood experiences until Riley and her parents move from their small town in Minnesota to San Francisco. Riley's emotions are then thrown off kilter as they struggle to cope with the disorientation of a move. Most of all, the other emotions do not know what to do with sadness. There's a memorable moment in the movie on Riley's first day at her new school when Joy is frantically trying to control all the other emotions and run the show. She vigilantly guards against sadness getting too close to the control panel or from touching any of the core memories. Joy goes so far as to draw a tight circle, a tight chalk circle around sadness, suggesting she stay inside it. The relationship between joy and sadness is at the heart of the film. Initially, joy pushes sadness away. Finally, she learns to accept that sadness is an integral part of her identity and it allows for a fuller expression and experience of being human. She learns that sadness is not the enemy. Sadness is not the absence of joy. 
In its proper place, sadness is merely right. At certain times, no other emotion will do. This morning, we make space for sadness. For there are many within the covenant family who are doing the difficult work of missing. Death hurts and loss causes deep ache. The Apostle Paul instructs the Christian community in the book of Romans to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. So this morning we make space for grief and for sadness and we also make space for joy and for gratitude. Our scripture this morning is from Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is an anonymously written book. It really is an extended sermon, a word of exhortation. In chapter 12, the author of Hebrews uses, chooses the metaphor of a long-distance race to illustrate the Christian life. It's one of several places in the New Testament where athletic imagery is used to describe the life of faith. The life of faith is not a sprint but rather a marathon, a long, long marathon. The finish line is blurry in the distance. It is not an easy, peaceful race, but a difficult race filled with struggle. Because of its length and difficulty, the risk of tiring and dropping out is real. The writer of Hebrews wishes to motivate his readers to Christian endurance in the life of faith. How does he do this? In chapter 11, he provides a sweeping look at God's people down through the ages in order to spur God's people to run the great race with faith and with hope. Today, we will look at the very beginning of this roll call of faith, Hebrews 11, the first four verses. God's word for us. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval for his gifts. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Author of life, may we breathe deeply the love and mercy of Jesus Christ, for this is the broad place where we find the God of joy for life and even for death. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God. Amen. Before the march of the heroes of the faith in days gone by, 
This chapter begins by defining faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, attributes about faith that the author of Hebrews desires to lift up. Faith is both an inward and outward reality. Inwardly, people of faith have a confidence today even when it feels like the world is falling apart and everything stable and secure is slipping away that the promises of God for peace and for justice and for mercy and for rescue and salvation can be trusted. He then names those in every generation who courageously, like the Apostle Peter, swung swung their legs over the side of the boat and moved into situations that did not make sense because God was there joining him in a water-walking life, trusting that the promises of God would hold firm. Faith as the assurance of things hoped for is not just inward confidence. It also has an outward practicality. Inwardly, Christians have an inward confidence and assurance today. Outwardly, they embody faith. Here is how Thomas Long, a pastor and seminary professor, speaks to this. He says, faith as an inward reality sings, we shall overcome. Faith as an outward reality marches at Selma. Faith as an inward reality trusts God's promises that mourning and crying and pain shall be no more. Faith as an outward reality prays boldly for those who mourn, serves tenderly those who weep, works tirelessly to ease the pain of those who are wounded. Inwardly, faith moves hearts. Outwardly, faith moves mountains. The eye of faith which sees grace everywhere is able to discern realities not visible to the naked eye. We might wonder why Abel is on the list. It it causes me curiosity. Virtually all we know about Abel is that he was the second son of Adam and Eve. He was a keeper of sheep. He gave an offering to God that was acceptable to God, and he was murdered by his brother. That is all we know. It is pretty skimpy information. We have no other details, yet God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's, likely because Abel gave the very best that he had to give. Then a curious thing is said about Abel. Abel never said a recorded word while alive, but through his faith, he still speaks. This statement begins and anchors the whole example list. Chapter 11 of Hebrews contains a whirlwind tour of many great heroes of faith. A chain of people who struggled and suffered yet remained faithful hand in hand, generation after generation, holding fast to each other and to our confession. The chain of faithful people continues to build and influence. We stand on the shoulders, friends, of others who encourage us to run the Christian ultramarathon 
Though long gone, I am positively influenced by the way Joseph of the Bible forgave his brothers and by the way my great-grandfather sacrificially served his bedridden wife. Their lives still speak. Within this particular church family, the roll call of faith continues. To name but a few. By faith, Morris Johnson's guiding principle was to show up and care. After the example of Jesus Christ, who himself showed up and cared, he moved into the neighborhood, which Morris embodied and taught us to do, never minding if people's lives were messy and untidy. By faith, Ron Gentry, soon after retirement, asked one staff member here at Covenant, to help him to find a meaningful ministry that would take at least 20 hours a week. He used his trade experience to the development and management of Covenant's largest project ever, the Fellowship and Education Building, which has Ron's handprints all over it. By faith, Puggy Huckabay started the prayer shawl ministry here at Covenant with her close friend, Sandy Blitch, even though she did not know how to knit or to crochet. For she wanted others to receive a tangible reminder of being wrapped in God's presence and being wrapped in God's love as she herself had experienced during her cancer journey. By faith, Corey Adams. One of his biggest and most frequent prayers was for God to give him the opportunity to share Jesus with others. By faith, J.J. Baskin was all about the yes. He took enormous joy in his faith in general. How many times did his faith not waver? He was always about both teams being on the playground, a lover of justice, making sure all were included. By faith, Mary and Bill Hart married 70 years at the age of 89 and 91, signed up to serve for an additional year as deacons. With Mary feeble and dependent upon a walker out of a conviction that you serve and give yourself away all the days of your life. All of these and so many more walking by faith in their own distinct way, showing us that faith is to be embodied and love is in action, laying oneself down as a service and sacrifice. God invites us to do the same. Friends, what are the things that are eternal that we carry forward? Sometime soon, how I hope that you will take the time to engage in the important work of remembering and to give thanks to God for family members and church family members and Sunday school teachers and mentors and friends, people in scripture whose lives continue to speak to you. We did this in staff meeting this week. The mission committee engaged in this faith building work as well. Living or deceased, who has inspired you? What was worthy of imitation? How did they reflect God's love and help you to grow? 
And as you remember, examine your own life as well. What is the way God may want to use who you uniquely are to be a part of the formation of others? What are the parts of God's story freely offered to you that you can freely offer to others? We are a part of something so much bigger than just us. There are countless thousands of God's faithful throughout the generations, all who lived by faith, who crowd the marathon route to urge us on. In the New Testament, a witness is never merely a passive spectator. A witness is always an active participant. Witnesses gave testimony of their faith, often at great personal cost. They are now inspiring examples to us. They give us great encouragement and inspiration for the journey. As F.F. Bruce writes, it is not so much they who look at us as we who look to them for encouragement. An important matter to remember, our eyes are not to be fixed on the heroes of faith as an end in itself. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. The mark of all saints who have gone before and remained faithful is that their eyes were fixed on Jesus. He shows us how to run. He is the one who both began and finished the race we are in. He is the one who completes the journey and makes faith possible. Covenant, your faith encourages me every day. I am more fully alive because of you. We are meant to live life together depending upon one another and depending upon Christ, encouraging one another and taking care of one another in mission and ministry together. God's grace is at work in us. We remember today all who are united in Christ, whether dead or alive, for all are saints because and only because of the unmerited work of Christ through the power of the Spirit of God. Our life and our journey, it matters to God, and it matters to the entire body of Christ, whether whether. They have gone before us or they are currently running beside us. We can't give up. We are in this together. It is our turn to run. So with gratitude for those still speaking, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we are so very mindful of those who have finished their race. How grateful we are for the heroes of faith, ancient and recent, ones we have not met yet, and those we shared life intimately with. May the witness of their lives in faith give us courage and inspire us to persevere and to live faithful lives. We pray this, we continue to pray this as we worship together the rest of this hour. Through Christ our Lord, with grateful hearts, we pray, amen.